The way we take care of ourselves is ever evolving. And what we know for sure is that our mind and spirit are linked to our physical body and that our wellness seems to extend into our communities and the planet we all share. It is very, very clear that wellness is interconnected. We love spending time with you to explore and practice the breakthroughs, the insights, and the passions of incredible people helping us all see the world in a whole new light. This is HealthGig. Today we have a very special guest on HealthGig, and that is my partner at BBNR Wellness, and that is Doro Bush Cook, the one and only Doro Bush Cook. And we thought it would be fun today to talk to Doro about her trip. She just got back from a trip with her husband Bobby and a group of other folks to Africa. The stories Doro has, we just thought were worthy of HealthGig. So welcome, Doro. Hey. I'm glad to be back on U.S. soil, but had the most extraordinary trip to Botswana. So tell us about it. What did you see? What was the most amazing? What are your reflections? Well, Botswana has a vast wilderness, and it also has something very unique, which is the Okavango Delta. The Okavango Delta is the largest inland delta, so it empties onto open land instead of emptying onto an ocean or something like that. It floods the area, and of course, that's attractive to the wildlife. And Botswana is a place where you can see what they call the top five. Those top fives are lions, rhinos, leopards, elephants, and buffaloes. And I saw four of the top five. There's very few rhinos left in Africa and in Botswana itself. So was not able to see a rhino, but saw many leopards and lions and buffalo and elephants. So what happens? Can you walk us through for those of us that have never gone on safari or have been to Africa? This is what's called a safari, what you did? Yes, we went on safari. We stayed in five different lodges in several national parks, Moraini National Park. Did you see other people on safari? Yes, we saw some people, but not crowded at all. We were very remote inside these parks, and we were in these beautiful camps. And one of the things that Botswana and Africa are doing is trying to attract ecotourism. So many of these lodges where we stayed could be taken down in a day. And within three weeks, there would be no sign of any people having been there. And that's because they build these lodges on sort of stilts and to protect the land. They do everything they can to just conserve the natural area where they are. And everything's sustainable. We're using glass bottles when we're out on safari. And water is pulled up from the ground and then reused on the land, et cetera, et cetera. And you said that the people were just really markedly friendly and there was just um, joyful. Yeah. Can you talk about that? They are the most welcoming, joyful people I think I've ever met. We were greeted often with singing and laughing and joking and not just with us, but among themselves. If you were to observe them talking to one another, there's just a lot of joy there. So it's really a happy place. But the day sort of went like this. We'd be out in a remote area. Moraney Lodge was the first one we went to. And at 5.30, someone would come to our door. And we weren't allowed to walk out by ourselves because there's wildlife everywhere, including in the camps, especially at night. So someone would come to the door and wake up, wake up, everybody wake up. And so we'd wake up, we'd go have a little coffee and breakfast. And by 6.30, we were in the land cruisers. 
And these are land cruisers that are doctored up, I would say, I don't know the right word, to carry six to eight people. And the seats are gradated up. That's not a word. The seats are. <laughs> I know the what you seats, mean like sits up, like the seats. <laughs> yeah, that one sits up higher than the next, sits up higher than the next, so that everybody has a view of what we're going to see. And you go out for two to three hours, and in the mornings are when the animals are out feeding, so you're often able to see all kinds of things. For example, we went out and we saw wild dogs running across the savanna. And so the guides who are so informative, they're botanists, they're astrologists, they're ornithologists, they know everything about animals and their behavior. Knew to go chasing after the wild dogs who look like dogs, but they look like they have splotches of paint. They're black and brown. They're looking for impala, which you'll see in Africa in great numbers because they are the number one food source for predators. So we'd go chasing the dogs and within minutes, the dogs had captured an impala. By the time we got there, it was almost completely eaten up within a matter of 10 minutes. Wow. An impala is an antelope. They're beautiful delicate legs. And on the backside, they have what looks like an M. So the guides call them McDonald's because, you know, that's what people eat, fast food. And they're just beautiful with curved antlers. And they're just in great numbers there. And they're part of the food chain. So we see the dogs, by the time we got there, there were maybe four or five of them pulling on the same piece of impala and shredding it to pieces. And then little jackals would come in and eat the little remnants. They look like little foxes with a black sweater on their back. They would be coming up for the leftovers. You get a real sense of how every being is on this planet for a purpose and that we are all interconnected. What impressed me so much about what's going on in Africa now with ecotourism is that Africans are looking to protect their natural resources for future generations. And at the same time, the local community is benefiting from this protecting the wildlife and the sustainable ecotourism. So it's beginning to be a win-win. But the problem is there's so much money in things like big game hunting or poaching brings in huge amounts of money. But things are beginning to really lean towards protection. And that's a good thing. But you can understand that people do need to make a living. And when animals, which elephants are on the rise in the area of Botswana, we were, well, they are walking into people's agricultural fields and they are getting into things they shouldn't. And if you're trying to make a living, that's tough. That's a conflict, but it's getting better. Yes. And, you know, sport hunting is still legal in parts of Africa and it is a considerable source of income. So it's kind of tricky because when hunting is banned, the poaching picks up. And so it's a fine line of how to promote wildlife as the best source of income. But these places we went are doing that. And it's really impressive to see how one of the camps we went to, every guide was a woman. So the company that owns this camp is really making the effort to lift up people from the community so that they have these great careers and income for their families. 
Tell us about elephants and how you saw them and you felt them and the earth and what that was like and that they swam. <laughs> yeah. So when we were in the Okavango Delta, we did safari by boat and we went down the river and lo and behold, coming down one of the bluffs was a big elephant kind of loping down the hill, which is fun to watch. And then they just kept coming and coming and coming to the point where someone counted over 75 elephants right there on the shoreline. And some of the teenage elephants, you could tell sort of by size, were swimming and literally went under the water. I'd never seen that before. And then there were several babies in the herd it was interesting to see the mothers because they viewed the boat as a big animal. And one of the things you're taught to do on land and on water is not to get out of the vehicle because then it's a different story. The animals will see you as a small animal that they can eat. But when you're in a big vehicle, you look big and they don't bother you. The mothers would circle the babies so that as we were looking at the mothers with their babies, we couldn't see the babies as well because they were being protected. And elephants communicate through not only their trunks and make noises, but they also communicate through their footsteps. And so evidently when an elephant stamps their foot or does some kind of movement with their foot, they can be heard for miles. Wow. And that's how they communicate with each other? Yes. Wow. And so they might say, you know, there's a big predator around right. or they Beware. might say, come here, the water's nice, or I don't know. What right, right, mean. right. And you said too, it's a matriarch community, right? Yes, it's a matriarchal society. So it's the mothers and the children and the teenage boys who go around in a herd. And then when a male elephant gets older, they're called bulls, they're solitary. Ah, so they're just by themselves. Then, so they yes. get, they're not with their family. Did you see many bulls, or did yes. you mostly see? Did you? And we you saw could, it all. Did they kind of lurk around where the families are, or are they just really over here doing their own thing? <laughs> they're just overdoing their own thing and eating acacia trees, which have very sharp points on them. It's like eating a branch with thorns, and they just chomp those things down. They eat all kinds of trees, and they just break branches. And you can tell when an elephant's been nearby because there's all these broken branches everywhere. But it's amazing how they just eat wood and all those Did leaves. you get while you were there and you were seeing them, did you get so that every time you saw them, was it just awe-inspiring or was it like, oh, there's another elephant? You know what I mean? Because there were so many of them. <laughs> well, <Or> no. <laughs> it's always awe-inspiring. Yeah, yeah. It was to bad. see an elephant because all the behaviors are different and it's fascinating. So what are they doing now? And when I first came across a herd of zebra, I was fascinated because they're the most beautiful animal. They're the state animal of Botswana. They look perfect. Their stripes, their manes are perfectly cut like a mohawk style. I mean, you never tire of seeing these creatures that are so colorful and big and amazing. And you said too, your sense was just that you were in their land. It was their house. It was theirs. And you guys were definitely visitors. No question. And we were guided to act that way. We had rules. We weren't allowed to, as I said, get out of the vehicles. We weren't allowed to be loud. We had to be very quiet and respectful of what was going on out in the bush. And you said your guides were tremendously knowledgeable and just full of information. 
Yes, they go to a year of training. The guides in Botswana go to a place called Maun, which is a town near where we were, and they go be trained for a year, and they're trained in everything from flora and fauna and you name it. They're trained. The stars, they could tell us all about what was going on up in the sky and with the sun, the setting and the rising and the animals and their behavior and the birds. There's 530 bird species in Botswana. The lilac-breasted roller was a beautiful turquoise and lilac and just so colorful. And there's a state bird called the Kuri Bustard, which is the largest bird that flies. And you saw it? You saw them? We saw it. We saw it strutting around. It's sort of a brown (laughs) thing with a crest. And then we saw storks and we saw ostriches. When this is happening, is anybody keeping notes? Or it's not like that. You're there. Nobody's like at all. I guess you have your cameras. Yes, everybody's taking pictures. And I was lucky because Bobby had a better camera than I did. Oh, nice. So he he was the photographer and I got to watch it and experience it it because you can get stuck behind the camera. Yeah, I would imagine. And miss it. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. One of the things that we got in our room is a checklist. It was fun because it was a very detailed little booklet and you could go in and the guides who knew everything, every lizard name, every snake name, everything could tell you the Latin name and the English name. And we'd go through and check off and do things. And we were joking because he'd hear a bird and he'd say, oh, that's the African fish eagle. And so I immediately go in my book to check it off. And I was like, you didn't see it though. Oh, right. So I need to see. That's pretty neat. Wow. Okay. So the food, how was the food? The food was great. Bobby lost weight on the trip. He was so excited. Wow. (laughs) Because we ate three healthy meals a day. There were fresh vegetables, a lot of cooked meat and vegetables and freshly baked bread, which was so great. But more than the food, it was the people that prepared it that were so wonderful. And they'd come out and get everyone's attention. And tonight we will be eating. And they'd go through the menu. And then we would hear from the sommelier who would talk about the wines that they were serving. And we'd hear from the chef from the kitchen. And these people were so down to earth and warm and hospitable. And a lot of singing would then come. And there was dancing at some point and then grabbing people to dance and things like that. It was just... Oh, wow. It sounds like it was really festive, too. It was. It was very festive. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to share that gives us all a bigger picture, better picture of your trip? Well, I would just say that what struck me is how important tourism is to Africa and the opportunities and the development that it creates for the local communities because it creates jobs and it strengthens the local economy and it contributes to infrastructure and development and it can help conserve the natural environment, which is so important. And it just helps with social justice, inequality, everything. So I would just encourage people to come and see. Just by coming and seeing, you're helping. That's really exciting for us because we're going to be going next year. So you're going to be the expert on it, right? So a year (laughs) from now, I'll be going on my first safari and Dora will be leading me and the others on what you've learned. 
Doro, thanks so much for sharing your experience and giving us an insight into Africa. You're so welcome, and I can't wait for you to see it and for others to experience it. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. Have you ever done the Enneagram personality test? What's great about it is that it tells you how you are when you are stressed and also when you are thriving. Conscious Leadership Group has worked with well over a thousand leaders across all industries, including CEOs and top leaders of Fortune 200 companies, and they are looking forward to working with all of us at Gasparilla this year to help you with your testing and also to walk you through how to discover the secret of your personality and its dynamics with the ones you love. Call 877-764-1420 or visit the Gasparilla Inn website at the-gasparilla-inn.com to register for this year's November experience.